You almost meant it. Happy New Year. Yeah, you meant that. That's nice. Thanks. <laughs> Back at you. Happy New Year, guys. Lovely to see you. Um, those who are visiting us, I'm Matt, again, part of the ministry team here. And welcome to our Covenant Communion service, uh, an interesting service, a different one than normal. But this is actually a very different year than normal. Um, I don't know, uh, many of you will already know, but some of you, oh, can I switch to this one? Yep, some of you may not. I'm on this one, John. I'll come back here and try and stay still. Um, some of you may know that I can't stay still, so that's interesting. No, some of you may know that uh, this year is our 200th anniversary as a church. Can we bring up the PowerPoint? That would be marvellous. Thank you. Yes, and just checking if that's the first PowerPoint. Yes, 2024 is an incredibly special year for us because 200 years ago, a group of Christians decided to build a church roughly here uh, back in 1824 and they called it Zion Baptist Church and we've been worshipping here ever since. Yes, we've got a new building and yes, things are very different now but for two centuries, just think about that, for two centuries, brothers and sisters that love Jesus have met here in his name, listening to his word, praying, worshipping, praising Encouraging each other in the faith, reaching out with the good news of Jesus to Crete St. Michael to the town and the villages around. It's extraordinary. I find it hugely humbling. 200th anniversary. And it's fallen on our watch. So we better do something about it. That's how I feel about it. It's not for us just to go, oh, well, whatever. No! It is right that we tell the story, that we celebrate all that God has done and look ahead to all he's calling us into. It's right that we recognise his faithfulness in an ever-changing world. And boy, does it feel like it's changed again in the last year, doesn't it? He is faithful, the same yesterday, today, forever. Faithful one. Ha! Let's tell his story, shall we? But just think back with me for a moment. 1824... It was a little bit different back then. I've been having a little look. No photos this morning. They will come, I'm sure, as the year goes on and at different things. But George IV is king. Robert Jenkinson, whoever he is, is the prime minister. We're in the middle of the first industrial revolution. Basically, two new technology brimming everywhere. No, not computers, no phones, but factories and modernisations basically kicking off huge stationary beam engines, steam engines, powering mills and factories. The cities are growing. There are these newfangled things called cameras that people are just about starting to understand. There are no cars on the road, only horses and carts. They're still 70 years away, the first car. There's no real railways yet. Stevenson's rocket's still five years away until he builds that Hilarious old contraption with a, with, you know, with a pipe on the top and made of wood. That's not even been built yet. Life in Britain is so different. It's hard. It's tough for many. Around the world, the wild west of America is still very wild. Texas is still an independent state of Mexico. And there's, there's this funny island that we quite like the look of as Brits called New Holland which in 1824 we've decided to give it a brand new name. Anyone know what that name would be? 
Australia, yeah, it's just been named. Why not? There you go, it's called Australia. Over in Germany, a much-loved composer called Beethoven has just written his latest symphony, Symphony Number no. 9. Da, 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 that one. Absolutely stunning, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's number nine. Um, and the audience broke out into rapturous applause. But he was facing the piano because he was deaf. They had to move him round to see and realise that they didn't just love it, they were standing ovation. They adored it. Back here in the UK, the RNLI is just born. The very first fire brigade is being formed up in Scotland. So has the world's first football club. I like this, up in Edinburgh. Do you know what it was called? No. The Foot Hyphen Ball Club. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? There are no others. <laughs> What's your club called? The Football Club. Brilliant. That's so good. It's the only one. And in a tiny rural village called Creech St. Michael, a bunch of passionate, non-conformist ministers and believers open a brand new church. They build the bricks up, filled with hope and expectation, committed to Jesus, committed to sharing the gospel. 200 years later, in 2024, guess what? We're still here. Committed to Jesus, committed to sharing the gospel, expectant, excited about who he is and what he wants to do on our watch, in our lives, in our turn. 200 years, something we need to treasure, to mark, to learn from, to discover more about, to celebrate. So what are we going to do on this 200th year? I hear you ask, what is it, Matt? What are the plans? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? We're going to... Eat quiche. <laughs> the year of the quiche, 2024. Oh man, isn't that what churches do on church anniversaries? We hold a service and we invite the mayor and we eat quiche. And that's exactly what we're going to do. At least that's part of it. Nothing wrong with a little bit of quiche. But as nice as that is, as I was praying about it last year, didn't really set me afire with excitement, I'll be honest. I was like, is that it, Lord? Quiche. I began to ask a deeper question. What do we really want to do with our 200th year, given the extraordinary inheritance of our history? What would we want it to be said of us, maybe an easier way of thinking about it, at the end of this year? What did you guys do, Creech St. Michael, on your 200th year? As I thought about it and prayed, I realised it's not just about what we practically do. I do want to see dances and luncheons, etc., etc., and quiches. But actually, this is an opportunity to ask God to do something spiritually, to revive us in our love for him. And so what I want to suggest is that our number one priority for this year, above all else, is really simple. It's this, that we pursue our God. What did you do in 2024? We pursued God, with all we had, with all our heart and with all our soul, we passionately sought him and prioritised him in all we did. You say, Matt, but don't we always do that? Well, yes, we certainly should. But let it be said that this is the year when our hearts burned anew for his presence, when we burned anew for his name and his love, when we rekindled the fires within for prayer, for his word, for the good news of Jesus, 
and for our part in his kingdom, his compassion breaking out in the towns and villages around and those around us. Now, wouldn't that, rather than quiche, be something to get excited about? Wouldn't it? Are you up for it? Yes. Well, I certainly am. As I was praying, um, I felt the Lord give me a verse, a verse that deeply resonated, and it's this. Now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. It's from 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 19. May it be said that in 2022, we devoted our heart and soul to pursuing our God. Just have a look with me really briefly where this verse came from, because it comes from a really interesting and significant moment in the history of Israel, actually. It is not an anniversary of sorts, but it's certainly a changing of the guard. It's a moment of significance of looking back and looking forward. King David, their greatest king, is now old. He has united their lands. He's won many victories. He's established peace and prosperity like they've never known before. He's ruled with a heart after God. There's so much they could celebrate what God has done. Now David and the people know that his time's coming to an end. But rather than letting the people slip back, rest on their laurels, believe that the best is behind them, David wants to fire up the people into the right priorities going forward. What would those priorities be for a king as extraordinary as David? Would it be economic, agricultural, military, leadership? No, he wants them to help his son Solomon to build the temple of God so that God can be right at the centre of all they are and all they do as a people and above all else, He wants them to pursue their God. Mark, would you come up and give our reading this morning? Now, my son, the Lord be with you, and may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God, as he said he would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel, so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and the laws that the Lord God gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. I've taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed, and wood and stone, and you may add to them. And you have many workers, stonecutters, masons, carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work, in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. And now begin the work and the Lord be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon. He said to them, Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not granted you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the lands into my hands, and the land is subject to the Lord and his people. Now, Devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. 
Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you may bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God into the temple that will be built for the name of the Lord. Thanks, Mark. Come on, you can imagine David speaking to the leaders around him. Has God not done wonderful things? Has he not shown us his goodness over the years? Well, don't sit back. Don't think this is a moment to step back, but rather step forward. Pursue God even more. Devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God even more. Build his sanctuary that he might be even more central to your hearts and lives, so that his name might be glorified. Pursue him, David says. There's one thing he wants to pass on to his people, to the leaders, to his son. Pursue God. Devote your heart and soul. Seek the Lord your God. And as we look at this passage, we see some crucial themes that underpin this call to God beginning to arise. Uh, Firstly, We see that the people were called to act with passion and purpose for the work ahead. We heard Mark read David speaking of his own passion in putting together the plans for the temple. 100,000 talents of gold, million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed, wood and stone. He turns to the people and says, you have so many workers, you can do this. Stone cutters and masons and carpenters, those skilled in every kind of work in gold and silver and bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond... Number, now begin the work and the Lord be with you. Each person was called to rekindle their gifts, sharpen their talents, dedicate the service, work with joy and beauty and creativity and passion. This was no half-hearted call for half-asleep people. It was a call for each person to passionately step up and give what they could give, their very best, whatever that was. As David says in verse 5, the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Come on, God doesn't deserve our half efforts, David's saying. Don't give him a cheap, rubbish job. Go for it, your very best. Passion in your hearts. Use your gifts and talents that he has blessed you with. Pursue with passion. Secondly, we pick up on the priority of prayer. This wasn't just about going through the motions kind of prayer, but a prayer, this whole passage is talking about a prayer being centered on the presence of God. That's why he wanted the temple to be built, so that the ark, the presence of God in the old covenant, God promised to be there, could be brought in and the people could meet with their God. Over and over again, uh, David speaks of God's presence. The Lord be with you, he says. The Lord be with you, he says. Is not the Lord with you, he says presence of the Lord, the single most significant thing that David wanted the people to know. The temple wasn't just about getting busy, pat ourselves on the back afterwards. It's a place where people could come and speak with their God, converse with their God, lift up the incense of their prayers to their God as Jenny did this morning. The prophet Isaiah spoke of it as a place that will be joyful. My house of prayer, says the Lord. Burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. My house will be called a house of prayer for all the people. This is to be God's house, not theirs. A place of joyful praise, of true repentance and sacrifice, of heartfelt prayer and relationship with God. It was a house of prayer for all the people, something that in Jesus' day the people had forgotten. 
the thing that made him turn the tables. There's no longer a house of prayer. What are you doing? Over went the tables. And the extraordinary thing was the promise that God was going to be there right in the centre of it all. The greatest fact, A.W. Tozer writes, the greatest fact of the tabernacle was that Jehovah was there. The presence was waiting within the veil. Similarly, the presence of God is the central fact of Christianity. At the heart of the Christian message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children to push in to conscious awareness of his presence. Push in with passion and prayer into the conscious awareness of the presence of God this year. Finally, there's one more piece that radiates throughout this passage. Amidst all the call to action and passion and pursuit, to giving your very best comes the beautiful promise of peace and rest. Both a personal peace within and a kingdom of peace radiating out to those around. The beginning of the chapter, David says, he wishes he could have built the temple himself. He speaks to Solomon, he says, but no, the Lord has said, I've shed too much blood. The Lord has promised that you will be a man of peace and rest. And therefore, it's you he wants to build his temple. The Lord needed a person of peace to build his house. You see, God's people had to learn that in all their striving and performance and busyness, Over and over, God said, that's not what counts to me. Instead, he was the God who cared about their hearts, about their souls, about how they were doing on the inside. They would discover that the more they got to know this God, the more they would experience and realize the peace of his presence and the peace that he longed for them to know. Moses cried out to God, teach me your ways. God didn't reply and say, right, first thing you need to do, get a list out. He turned around and said, okay, I will be with you, my presence will be with you, and I will give you rest. That's my ways, says God. My presence and my rest. Is not the Lord God with you, David said? Has he not granted you rest on every side? David wasn't calling people to busyness and burnout, but with purpose and passion and prayer, as they pursued God's presence, they would discover peace, true peace, to live their lives in such a way that his kingdom of peace would be known throughout the land. So in this significant moment, looking back at all God had done for them, the single most important thing they could do, David says, was pursue God with all their heart and soul experiences peace so as we go forward in our 200th year I want to say we've got some options we could get really busy couldn't we should we do that busy and burnout that sounds like fun doesn't it with a bit of quiche on the side (laughs) we could end the year burnt out and bored going well what was that all about I believe the single most important thing that we can do as a church this year is pursue our God with renewed passion. The single most important thing you can do as an individual is pursue your God with all you've got. Let each of us step into our purpose with passion this year. Play our part in seeing Jesus transforming lives all around us. 
Seeing him bring hope and healing and forgiveness and restoration to individuals, to families, to our neighbours, our friends. Yes, even in ourselves. As we reach out with his love, tell the stories of what he's done and is still doing. Let us do it with compassion for those who are least and last and lost. And passion for God and his presence. Let's ask him to rekindle the flames that once burnt bright for him. Let's ask him for passion in our faith, in our love for the Bible. We're about to dig into a new course on Romans. It's going to be awesome. Get ready to wade in to the riches of God's word this term. Let's ask him for passion in our service for him, in playing our part in church life, but wider in our work lives as we reach out with the love of Jesus, in our life groups. Let's ask for passion again in worship and celebration. Passion again in our marriages, as we spoke of this morning, our family lives. Let's ask him to fire up in us passion that we once knew for him and believe again that he wants to do good things. Let's take our faith seriously, re-pick up our Bibles, step out for Jesus with purpose and passion. Let's be a people alive with love for God, alive with love for the gospel, alive with love for those who don't yet know Jesus. Because if we're not, who will be? What's the next step for you? Is it that seed that he's already planted that you've kind of, oh, maybe, maybe for a new ministry or a new idea or something you feel the Lord is saying to you? Water it. Go for it. Is it Alpha? Is it a new book? The Pursuit of God. It's not a new one by A.W. Tozer. There's a recommendation if you want to get fired up again. Is it Baptism? It's likely a deliberate, purposeful and brave step. Whatever it is, take it. Pursue your God with passion. And as a fellowship, let's prioritise prayer, drawing near to God this year. Let's prioritise our relationship with him perhaps more than ever before. Let's make space for the presence of God to move among us. Be open to his Holy Spirit. Expect him to generously touch our hearts and lives with his grace and love. It's what he loves and longs to do. We need to realise we need his presence most of all. Complacency, Tozer said, is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there'll be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. I love that phrase. Let's want Jesus this year. Let's want his presence. Let's want to pray. Let's want to be with him. Let's long for him to be at the centre of all we do. And if we don't feel we want it, let's ask him to stir up that desire and want within us again. Come, Holy Spirit. As a church, we're going to have many opportunities for prayer this year. Hungry continues in the evenings where we just hunger for the presence of God. Prayer and praise continues in the evenings where we praise the Lord and reach out in prayer for our world. There will be a focus on drawing near to God in Lent this year. We're going to kick it off with a 24-7 prayer. Wouldn't it be great if all of those things were packed to the rafters as a demonstration of our passion and desire to come and be with our God. But what about you? What could you do and prioritise in your life this week and next week and the year to come when it comes to prayer and pressing into God? Our time is up, but I love the fact that this one is also here. Peace. Can peace really go with passion? Yes. Passion and peace. Not passion and burnout. Passion and peace. And the reason is it's passion for the Prince of Peace. 
the presence of God who brings peace. Don't let busyness become our pride this year. Let's not let activity push out peace. Let's recognize that as a church, God's calling us to prioritize times of rest in his presence this year. Refreshment, retreat, peace, waiting on God, quietness and silence. Moments of feeding our souls this year. If you're feeling burnt out, fed up and worn out, I want to say to you, don't give up. But also don't just carry on as you are. Do something different. Press into the presence and peace of God in a new and different way. A way that gives him the time and space to speak deeply to you. We need God to give us his peace so that we might be a people of peace. Part of his kingdom of peace. In this war-turn, torn, hurting, busy, exhausting, complicated world. That we would carry his peace with us. Do it, Lord Jesus, do it. Some of you, that may be the most important thing you'll hear this morning. Maybe it's time for you to say, show me your ways again, Lord, 2024. And hear him say, my presence will be with you. And I will give you rest and peace. All right, that's it for this bit. But here again, the verse of the year. We are going to celebrate 200 years. And the verse is, now devote your heart and your soul to seeking the Lord your God. Two centuries our brothers and sisters have done that faithfully here. Let this be a year where we press in again. Let us mark it and celebrate we're going to have a service in March where we do intend to invite the mayor, if they're available. We do intend to have quiche, but we also intend to praise and worship and tell the story of Jesus and what he's doing. We also hope in October to have a bit of an, a bit of an extended harvest festival type thing. We're not quite sure, but there's lots of ideas brewing. If you've got ideas and thoughts, even from this morning, let me know. But as we celebrate all that he's done, as we mark it, Let's move forward with passion, asking God to wake us up, to give him our very best again. Let's prioritize prayer in the presence of God, deep calling after deep. Let's make space for and enjoy a renewed personal peace as we reach out as a people of peace to this hurting world. But let it be said of us, most of all, that in 2024, we pursued our God with all our heart and soul. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.